Hello survivors out there in the wasteland, my name is Brandon Crilly, I'm an Ottawa-based writer of science fiction and fantasy, and I am alone in the primary control room, and everything is great. Evan disappeared a while ago, but I've got all these knobs and switches figured out, and the lights switched from red to yellow this morning, which is obviously a very good sign. Not entirely sure what this warning means though, AI control subroutines misaligned? I'm sure it's fine, the AI is my friend. We've still got great conversations to share here, discussing the stories we love and the creation of art in general. Here's who we have in the bunker today. I'm Amal Al-Muhtar. Uh, I'm an author and critic. My short story, Seasons of Glass and Iron, won the Hugo, Locus, and Nebula Awards. And my book that I co-wrote with Max Gladstone is called This Is How You Lose the Time War. And uh, I used to tell ghost stories for a living. Hi there, I'm Alan Neal. I host the show All in a Day on CBC Radio 1, 91.5 FM in Ottawa, cbc.ca slash all in a day outside of Ottawa. And I once played Chachi in a grade three version of Happy Days that I wrote. I hope you enjoy today's chat because I am very excited to share it with you, as I'm sure Evan is as well, wherever he's run off to. Gather round, survivors, and welcome to another broadcast from the Wasteland. Ooh, the lights are flashing between red and yellow now. That's neat. with other people is the worst thing they do. But it, it, it's also, like, a thing I hadn't totally decided for myself. We, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but, um, we, like, the part of the, the difference between um, red and blue sides and the way that they operate is supposed to be that Garden has a kind of much slower, more gradual, but more lasting approach to, to changes uh, in time. And the way I'd always interpreted this was that when, the, I think the line is Garden seeds the past with us, that I imagined, like, their consciousnesses are literally growing in actual human bodies. Mm. And that, so they are actually being born, right. growing, developing in this area and having these connections and stuff um, that are that are being kind of tended to and gardened, gardened letter, but, you yeah. know, by other agents and stuff. Um, and a similar, like, Cage Baker has uh, her series of books, which is so wonderful, like In the Garden of Eden and stuff mm. like that, um, where the immortality is necessary to the time travel and stuff too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the idea that like that's gardens agents, whereas, uh, so that they are actually, you know, in deepest possible cover and that they are literally part yeah. of whatever yeah. society they are growing up in. Um, whereas the agency is more like dropping people in to play a part really quickly and then like getting oh, okay. out again, you know, yeah. that there's, um, so that, that's the, the, the kind of, main difference that we were kind of gesturing towards. Okay. But I did, we didn't get into it very much, you know, about whether or not that... Because, I mean, Red also has a, an extended engagement with Genghis Khan at some point, you know, and like... Uh, as well. Uh, not not, enga- not <laughs> engaged with the army, yes. yes yeah, yeah. As a, oh, as a, yeah. Yes. Um, have you not read the book? <laughs> I, I, I've read... Brandon! I'm sorry. I just yeah. got it two days ago. I'm sorry. Have you read the book? <laughs> My copy is still coming. Oh, no, there you go. That's yeah. all right. I've just been I'm talking spoilers this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> In my defense, it's because I'm reading Fifth Business on a dare from somebody I work with. Fifth Business so. is great. I really love that book. I, I'm about 40 pages in it, but I'm very biased when it comes to Robertson Davies. Well, just, just <laughs> literature in general. Oh, okay. So. I read, you know, he I'm did actually... air quotes for literature. By the way, it's Robertson Davies. Wow. Supposedly <laughs> literature. He calls himself a writer. Oh my god. I'm not even going to defend myself to you, Alan, the CBC. <laughs> but, wow, that's like, yeah. No, okay. I'm biased. I'm young. What do you want from me? I just, I super, I mean, so I read that book when I was like 15, I think, and mm-hmm. it, it was delightful to me because it was not genre. Like, I, I was so oh. steeped in genre and stuff. And the person who recommended it to me, my friend Lynn, didn't tell me what it was about. She was just like, yeah, just yeah. read this book. So I, in my head, experienced that mm. book in the way that I experienced genre. Like, I was just sort of, oh, okay. you know, the, the expectation of it was still... Like, I wasn't waiting for weird stuff to happen. No, so no, much, for but sure. Like, yeah. 
it, it's it's a thing that actually happens often to me where I finish a book and only in retrospect realize it wasn't genre. <laughs> like, oh wow, <laughs> it's it's very hmm. again it comes back to my whole like, but all fiction is genre. Oh you know? yes, yes. Um, that's why I did the literature in airports. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, I like... but I, I'm curious to revisit it because uh, I had no taste when I was 15. So I, I loved it. I really, really loved it. I loved it, and I read the the yeah, rest yeah. of the Deptford trilogy as well. Oh, okay. um, and I, like, oh, thank you. I was blanking for a moment on the name of the trilogy, yeah, yeah, yeah. too. I was like, oh, I don't want to be the one who can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, so far, I can appreciate it mechanically. I can appreciate, you know, the, the first-person narration, and, and that's just, I don't know, it's not my genre. Mm. That's fair. That's yeah, fair. Yeah, but I was dared to by colleagues of mine. Dared? I love the idea that that's you dared. That's the dare? Yeah. yeah. Dude, yeah, yeah. you have to read <laughs> high school teachers Business by right Robertson <laughs> Davies. Yeah. No, because I, I'm the creative writing teacher at my school, and, I, and that's the only thing they... <gasps> I said the only thing they allow me to do. It's the only English course that I teach is creative writing. The rest is history and social studies. Oh, okay. I should not teach Gatsby or Butterflies or anything else because I can't do it seriously. Right. (laughs) Like at all. Because Uh, you don't like any of them? Because I don't, yeah, no, I I despise all of them. Great Gatsby, you consider trash. Yeah. Lord of the Flies, awful. I don't, yeah, I don't enjoy them. And I can't, I can't, if I, that's the attitude I would bring to the classroom. Do you know what I think would be amazing, actually? Oh, God. You should, no, 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 this is Give him another day. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, for Lord of the Flies, yeah. um, which you have read. And oh, yeah, hated, too right? many times. Read uh, Libba Bray's Beauty Queens. Okay. Uh, and then teach both of them. Because, like, Beauty Queens is... If what if Lord of the Flies were a bunch of girls? Uh, oh, oh yes, I think, I think I've heard yeah. this. Yeah, what yeah, if yeah. a bunch of girls en route to a beauty pageant crash landed on an island? Yeah, yeah. What would happen? And mm-hmm. I absolutely like. I really love this book. Um, and I, I would listen to the audiobook, which was narrated by Libba, who is oh, cool. super brilliant and actually a the mm. wonderful actress. And so yeah. she did a lot of voices, and it was really great. Um, but the like, it's such a it. It just fixes everything that's wrong with Lord of the Rings. Okay. And Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, God. No, no! Lord of the Flies! I'm Lord just, of the Rings I, is no, great. That would be the most I'm amazing taking, podcast if two people were debating a book, <laughs> yeah. and they realized only halfway through the first <laughs> oh, two totally different books. And the elves were my main problem. <laughs> that's a point. Of when, when Piggy went to Mordor, you know, I just felt like it should know. Um, but it's, uh, yes. So. No, I, 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 Yes. Anyway, you should read Beauty Queens. Okay. You should read Beauty Queens. Okay, and I then, will do that. I can't then, guarantee I can teach it because we have no budget, but, um, yeah. That's fine. But, like, just, I feel like if you were, if you read it, you might get excited to talk about Lord of the Flies okay. in, in a way of, like, just, just to compare them. But are you, know? are you, do you generally find it easy if somebody has told you to read something, mm. does that affect your ability to enjoy it? Often. Because yeah, I'm thinking, yeah. like, if you yeah. came across the Great right. Gatsby, yeah, yeah, it would be a totally, you came yeah. across Lord of the Flies, as opposed yeah. to what you were told to read in, oh, in totally, school. Yeah. Like, school legitimately almost ruined my love of reading. I'm almost not a writer because of school, honest <gasps> to God. Be, between high school and then... So those aren't good teachers. Amazingly, you're a teacher now, yeah. as I call it. So it's I like some, some yeah. vengeance. Kind of, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was more so university, because I, I um, even after reading all the horrible stuff in, in... Or stuff that wasn't for me in high school, I shouldn't call it horrible, mm. it's not. Um, but the stuff that wasn't for me in high school, um, when I was thinking about the two subjects I was going to teach, I was like, history for sure, and I was like, I guess I'll do English as the second one. Mm. And so I had to study English lit in university, and I had to read so much like classic literature that was just not my cup of tea, that I had no energy for anything else. And so I had almost killed my love of reading, and then therefore my love of writing. I had to like Aww. claw my way out of it, mm. and argue with my professors, and, and save myself, honest to God. Aww. Because I, I, I just find it interesting because like we do this... I, I, I do this summer series on All in a Day off the shelf where it's yeah. teens talking about books that they um, would recommend all teens yeah, to yeah. read. And so frequently the books that teens are reading are dystopian yeah. like mm. future <laughs> stories yeah. about like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. It's a, where someone is chosen and someone is you know going to fight the, the battle and, and any number of levels of complexity. But it's just interesting when sometimes they will choose books that mm-hmm. have been given to them and so often what they say is or the feedback we get from people is oh I'll revisit that book I never liked it because I was made to read yeah. it yeah. Right. and okay. so they're even aware of while it's happening mm-hmm. that, and and there was one last year this, this amazing job on defending the outsiders oh, oh and yeah, she, yeah and and she was like explaining that she goes don't read any book 
in school. Like, or, no, sorry, that wasn't her. She's <laughs> <laughs> not done reading any in school. Her, 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 her advice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Her, no, her advice. I say that go yeah, back. It's going it's to be that. Go read any book in school. No, but reread the book in your off time. Yeah. Because it will change, like, completely. So she said if you've been made to... To, to examine something one way it changes how you and it made me think back sure. to but like I actually in, in school did like Lord of the Flies I actually did like Great Gatsby yeah um remember not liking Red Badge of Courage but but there, <laughs> there were there were books that but it, it I think it very much depends on who your teacher yeah. Yeah, yeah. and the lens with which you're made yeah. to read it and also if you think about how in school your four half the people have never done the reading yeah, true. To discuss the book, that's so true. your discussions so of a book yeah, would be like one. these two not having read your book. I know, uh, right? So they, they, <laughs> so, uh, I've, I've, I've read the thing in here. I'm pointing at Starlet Wood. I've read this. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. And he's seen Back to the Future, the other <laughs> yeah. trilogy. Why is Back to the Future in this stack? It's like because well, I don't because I don't, I don't. Well, that's because the first time I met Alan, we were talking about Back to the Future. Oh, way way back. He doesn't remember this. I do. No. Like how long ago was that? That would have it was for Back to the Future Day. So there's a Back to the Future Day. Yeah, when Marty McFly goes forward to 2015. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The day. I can tell the story because you wouldn't remember this, but I. Why wouldn't you remember? I don't know. This? Maybe you do. You, you got, <laughs> of Marty McFly or of you being on the show? Yes. No, I I do remember okay. you being on the show to yeah. talk about Mar- yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Back to the Future Day. Yeah. I don't remember some horrible incident. If that's no, what, God, okay, no, okay, no, okay. No. No. That's why because I was like, then I threw up. I didn't do anything. I do remember Alan's at one point. I don't know what it was that I said, but you just turned me and said, "How old are you?" <laughs> I know he is. He is disguised as much older than he actually is. I am. It's um, travel miles. That's yeah. What, <laughs> what oh, a yeah. diplomatic way you had of saying that. He's disguised, he disguised as disguised. someone much older than he is. He is. It is like you are a time traveler. Oh, you actually guess. I guessed correctly. Yeah, you're I not. Guessed. Yeah, you're yeah. not. I will say this: when you were. <laughs> Earlier mentioning Lilith Fair, I was sitting here wondering how likely is it I'm going to have to tell Ben what Lilith Fair <laughs> Are you 25? Ooh, good guess, no. Because <laughs> it's flattering, huh? <laughs> so older than 20. There are wisps of gray. Oh, there's way more than whiffs, man. Again, I'm being diplomatic. Oh, thank you. There's, there's gray. He's getting kind of the Reed Richards graying effect. Yeah. Which is, apparently, it's really gray in the back. I can't see it, so I don't care. But. <laughs> I think you're there's a whole note about personal grooming here that I've been I like, I can't see it, so I don't care. I, I genuinely think that your hair looks wonderful. I, so do I. Do I, I yeah. I'm not self conscious about it all. Don't worry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How so 25 is, is incorrect. Well, you're gonna make one guess. That's it. Well, I want. Do you know for sure? Uh, yeah. I hope so. Yeah. You're slightly older than than Alan's guess. Slightly old. Slightly. slightly. Old. But you're in the ballpark. You're pretty. Sure. You're pretty close. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So how old is he? 29. 29. Yeah. I just really wanted to know yeah. if you knew. No. <laughs> and he didn't Google that. Well, no, 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 like no, 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 because we, we haven't had a chance to uh, tease Brandon about turning 30 yet. Okay. No, Soon. Can I tell you Soon. the thing that I tell everyone who's about to turn 30? Oh, sure. Is it uh, a horrifying No, no, it's a wonderful thing. Oh, good. Okay. It's a good thing. Okay. It's, Start it's caring thing. about what the back of your head is. I was told this. Uh, I, I, I feel like it's a gift is the thing. I was given okay. this gift by my friend Claire. Yes. Who was uh, in turn given this by her friend uh, Sally? <laughs> oh my God, this is a whole. I was just gonna say, like, wow, this there's is a really lineage great. to this, okay. and you wow. must know okay. the lineage because okay. Okay. you no, too, I, you too I, I will pass then it pass on. It on to all right, okay. it just—I uh, I wasn't particularly messed up about turning thirty. I, but, but I was aware of it as a kind of milestone and, mm-hmm. and stuff. And um, and my and Claire just headed off any bad feeling I could possibly have about it by saying to me, 30 will be your throne." Ooh. Is that good? Ooh. Wait, what, is wait what does that mean? It's up to you to find out. Oh. <laughs> 30 will be your throne. Will be my throne. But was it you true? You should see me in a crown. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, 30 was a great year. 30 was a fantastic year for me. Awesome, awesome. I really like, 30s, like, not my 30s. 30 specifically. 30 will be your throne. And okay. then, like, you know, you have a throne, you take a seat on it, and you rule from it, you know. Sweet. Yeah. It's not very democratic, but it's a great no, I, sentence. I hope that's not, like, foreshadowing, like, Derek and Marie leaving CanCon and then... Why do you keep saying Don't, these I, things? I'm just... I'm that, that it doesn't mean what? Why would Derek and Marie leave CanCon? Are you... Don't... No, they're, no, they're not. Good. No, they're, they're not, not allowed to leave. I, that's what I keep saying. I keep telling them. And then you keep Derek's tweeting. Derek's tweeting. They are. Like, <laughs> yeah. <don't. laughs> 
No, the running joke for like four years has been that we're their succession plan for CanCon. Yeah, which, oh. uh, which is terrifying. Yeah. And I don't... Uh, Not what I want to hear. No, never. No. And how old are you? I am extremely old. <laughs> um, I am old enough that when we were... Earlier talking about the internet. I also have to explain a little affair to you, but in a different way. See, I remember when you were talking about dial-up internet when you were 11. Yeah. See, I'm old enough that I remember when you had, to get on the internet, you had to have the number of a bulletin board service to call. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had to have a phone number to call, and these were things that were like jealously, jealously guarded and passed passed around the number to your favorite bulletin board service that had all like the good pirated games God, and stuff. Can we that have you could that download. internet back again? Yeah. yeah. So like, not yeah. everyone didn't even get the same internet. Yeah. Well, I mean, there wasn't even really an internet, but everyone didn't even get the same one because it depended if you knew the right numbers or not. Ooh. And people would be like, "No, I, you know, yeah, you know, I, I downloaded this game or I downloaded this file or whatever." But I'm not going to tell you from, from where because this board is only cool because not everybody can get on it. Right. That's amazing. Yeah, right? yeah, as a concept, it sounds horrifying, really. But. Well, I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, it was it was very different, right? That is interesting. So you had to you had to have like you had to have a hookup somewhere. Wow, did you yeah. see a lot more about like, like a dealer? Cyberpunk Almost, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the, why, why cyberpunk is the way cyberpunk is. Yeah, and like I most of these it. places, if you were going to download something, you had to upload something. So you, you couldn't just show up and start oh. downloading their files, right? Because they were like, no, no, you have to you have to bring something to the, table. to the community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't yeah. like a digital pop. Um, digital kind of, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it wasn't like because my earliest like I remember Napster. That's about as far back as I can go in my head. Oh, oh my sweet son. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm 29. What do you want from me? Um, Napster was like good. sorcery. Or yeah. yeah. But but you, Napster didn't you didn't have to be uploading something. You could just download and then close it. Yeah. Right. That I think. Right. Yeah, like yeah. To, I mean, I'm I'm too old to have really used Napster. So, but yeah, I think Napster you could just leech stuff off of. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, most of these places you had to like get credit for uploading stuff before mm. they would let you start downloading stuff. Oh, and downloading or uploading also took forever. Oh yeah, no doubt. And you would annoy your parents because you'd be tying up the phone. <laughs> the we had two phone lines. Okay. Was like, oh. You had the internet phone. Well, the line? internet yeah. phone line, yeah. and yeah, uh, but it still took. You know, if if I was trying to send a song to a friend, it would take you know a few days. Yeah. To, like we because we wow. both had to be on at the same time, yeah. uh, and we'd have to send it. And it's it's amazing to me to remember this now. Get that like, little just, timer that says estimated time yeah. remaining, and it would be like. Three hours, okay. <laughs> yeah. See, that, that strikes me because, I, as far as I know, we're not that different in age. Right? I'm 34. Okay, that's not that yeah. different in age. And, no. and, but that's a very different but an internet experience. An internet experience. No, but that, because, like, I've noticed it in my students. Like, I've been teaching up for seven years, and the world that my students understood and the way they spoke and, and what, you know, social media and everything was like, even just seven years ago, was way different than what it is now. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I'm constantly playing catch up with them. Like, Twitter is for old people. Oh, yeah. That's what they tell me. I'm like, what? Yeah, there's, I mean. But I'm 29. <laughs> I'm so not cool. It's true. There's definitely like a, there's, I feel like the internet before social media and the internet after social media yeah. have like category differences yeah, in, sure, terms, yeah. in terms of acceleration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and this is, I'm sure that, you know, <clears throat> scholars of this will later determine lots of factors besides the technology itself. Oh, for sure. Like, the proliferation of, of venture capital in Silicon Valley or the fact that everything has a sort of three to five year turnaround mm-hmm. company wise and so nothing you know like everything is reinventing itself according yeah, it's, to blah 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 it's this constant lack of permanence I think like in every constant yeah. lack of permanence mm-hmm. that's that's like a song yeah that's like Ooh, constant that's lack of permanence like a whiter shade of pale yeah but uh. for the internet <laughs> uh, anyways um it's just it's like it's right though you write that song because yeah. you did say like an hour ago that, that you wrote songs for your place right did I catch that yeah. wait what I didn't hear uh, see I, Evan and I shared a look we were going to bring it up and then we segued and it wasn't fast enough yeah, yeah we didn't actually but you didn't answer Evan's. the question about oh that's yeah. right yeah. well I said I was extremely old <laughs> yeah. uh, no I'm 45 oh my god then I'm the oldest person in the room yeah no, 45 is not old man that's what I keep telling you you're it's not old either and, and my students make me feel... Yeah. They make me feel every minute of that. Scary. <laughs> what do you teach? Uh, mostly now I teach uh, CEGEP at uh, Heritage College in, in Gatineau. So oh. most of my students are like 17 and 18. And that gap feels bigger all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My worst moment for that, though, where I really became extremely conscious of the gap between me and my students was 
Um, and I don't do this very much, but I was teaching a political science course. And uh, we got around to talking about 9-11. Oh, God. This is the moment for me, too. And, of course, like, well, I mean, I, w- I was in university during 9-11. Mm-hmm. So was and, I. And so to me, I mean, it's still very, it's still very current events. Yeah. And so I was talking about, and, of course, you remember 9-11. Yeah. You remember immediately afterwards. And finally, one of them was brave enough to put up their hands. And they're like, yeah, sir, we were in kindergarten. Yeah. Uh, Wow, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 I'm but, officially extremely old yeah, now. I, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, 9-11 happened uh, this, my second day of university. Wow. It was like it was a huh. Tuesday, I remember. Uh, and I remember that I didn't have a cell phone. So I like the reason yeah. I, I learned about it was because I was using a payphone to call my mom to coordinate getting picked up because we were still... I was living... I was 16 at this point, so I was like living in Luskville and... Uh, mm commuting in with them because I didn't have my driver's license yet. So anyway, uh, we're coordinating getting a ride, and I called my mom, and she was like, did you hear about the towers? And mm-hmm. I was like, what, what towers? <laughs> yeah. like, towers? Yeah. Uh, and she was like, yeah, the, the, the a plane crashed, in, crashed into the Twin Towers in, in New York. Yeah. And I was like, and I had zero sense of the scope or yeah. scale yeah, yeah, to yeah, stakes yeah. of this Absolutely. at yeah. all. Yeah. I was just like, oh, well, that's that's bad. So that's when bad, I picking me right? up, yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. and just, there, there was none of this kind of world stoppingness mm-hmm. uh, which actually like this is a total segue to something else but like have any of you read um, Guy Gabriel K's A Brightness Long Ago yeah. his most recent mm, book not yet okay I don't know if this is a spoiler or not hey, I mean it just happens at just the end of the book so basically I'll forget it. I'm old <laughs> <there's>, <laughs> <laughs> That's the there's, second title of this podcast. I'll forget. I'll, I'll forget. I'll, I'll there's just me. sorry. The, the, the bulk of the book um, seems so. It's it's a it's a story that is mostly being it, it's a a man remembering a really tumultuous time in his youth, sure. uh, like twenty five years earlier, uh, and he is. And so he's remembering it, and it's told in a few different perspectives. It's told like it's first person from that that man's perspective, but there are also limited third perspectives mm. from other characters, and it's just sort of hand waved. But whatever, um, it's, it's guy, fine. It's, it's guy Kane. Yeah, exactly. It is literally guy, he. Literally, there's like a little italicized prologue at the beginning, which is basically I'm just going to do what I want, you know, tell a story. Um, fine. Uh, I really enjoyed the book, guy. Don't worry. Yeah. Like, anyway. Hey, if Guy K listens to this. He's on next week. Awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Guy's a sweetheart. He, I think I, I think he like introduced me to Negronis. Anyway, uh, but yeah, just I've never had one before. He like waxed rhapsodical about it. We 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 sat next to each other on the flight to World Fantasy in Columbus. Oh no way. Um, and I'd met him before that because he'd. Uh, um, when I was working at Perfect Books, uh, which I did for like five years, mm-hmm. um, and Isabel came out, yeah. the, so he had a book launch through the bookstore at the Clockwork, cl- Clockwork, the Clock Tower. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, on Bank Street, um, and so like I, I met him then. Yeah. And I like I'd read the Fiona Bar Tapestry, and uh, I hadn't read Isabel yet, but like you know I, I liked it, but I was. I was not overawed and, and yeah, struck yeah. by it because I'd enjoyed the books, yeah. but it wasn't it wasn't like he was Terry Wendling, you know. That was like a whole other thing. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, but no, so I, I, we just sat next to each other on this flight and uh, um, and had a lovely conversation yeah. about various things. And then we just like hung out at the con mm-hmm. and had a lovely conversation about things. And um, so like I, I feel acquainted with him, yeah, is yeah. all I need to say. Um, but anyway, the book uh, is very, very beautiful. It's a... It's a like it's a deeply beautiful book um, that is a very it's, its whole aesthetic is a kind of tragic melancholy, right? It's just yeah. like a and but the thing about it is it seems like the book is this terse competition between these two men who hate each other. Who the the main character is like witnessing mm-hmm. their animosity for each other um and and like they're they're two leaders of two different mercenary forces in not florence you know and like the yeah, yeah. renaissance mm. um sorry italy not in not renaissance italy mm. um <clears throat> so they they are periodically fighting for different city states and getting hired and whatever uh and there's going to be this huge climactic battle and then the huge climactic battle is stopped because um a priest comes out of a nearby temple weeping and says more basically, Sarantium has fallen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Byzantium. Yeah. Again, I, I always have this moment of like, 
why am I not just using the historical? Anyways, um, <laughs> so anyway, but so but Sarantium has fallen, and it's this like shattering moment mm. for everyone. Mm. But the most shattering thing about it is the fact that it happened weeks ago, and they only have right. just gotten the news of it. Yeah, right. So this thing that they everyone is suddenly intensely mourning as this like this unfathomable destruction of their universe mm-hmm. is something that no one can do anything about because it's already right, several weeks right. old yeah, right, right. Um, and I look at that and and the thing that it actually most makes me think of I was talking to, to Max about this actually is climate change um, oh, it's yeah. like the most that that you think that the story is this thing happening over here but actually the real superlative maximal story was happening elsewhere and is over before you know it and before you actually feel the effects from it. And there was the opportunity to do something about this in the past. There was the opportunity at many points. It's kind of very, very incidentally mentioned throughout the story Mm -hmm. that all of these not-Italy city-states could have been sending their mercenaries to Sarantium instead of fighting each other. Um, But no, they are... Mm -hmm. and, And so, like, the tragedy that you see ends up being this, like, this just this spectacular loss mm-hmm. that no one singly can do anything about. And collectively, they could have done something about at the beginning of the book. Mm. And that they can't, you know? Yeah. Like, it's just... So, anyway, I, mm-hmm. I was thinking about that because um, 9-11 does not feel like that to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and yet, it, it, in the sense that if you were to point to a moment where everything changed in a way that shouldn't have been irrevocable but feels irrevocable yeah. and stuff uh, that is kind of it and the yeah. fact that there are people there are people who are adults now who don't remember it yeah. because yeah. 2001 yeah. was 18 years ago oh, right yeah. Uh, yeah. is uh, is truly astonishing yeah. and and yet like and there's something simultaneously like awing and comforting to me about that um, just in the sense that uh, the same way that I felt about like Trump's election uh, that you know this this utter devastation that I feel at the world being different today than it was yesterday is something that people have felt before at many different points there will be other that there will that the world has continued climate change nevertheless you know kind of on a different order (laughs) Uh, kind of like oh well you know uh We've never destroyed the planet before. That's, <laughs> that's a thing we haven't done before. Yeah. So that's a thing to bear in mind. Um, but I don't know. So yeah. So this got real dark. I did all, uh, yeah. all of a sudden. <laughs> right um, as we approach. Why they call it broadcast? From the way- <laughs> <laughs> every guest has to bring it back to the end of the world. <laughs> that's how we end every show. Oh God. Um. But no, okay, so anyways, this has been really fun, and I'm totally aware of the fact that, like, we've both been talking a lot, and yet, like, there are so many questions that I would have liked to ask <laughs> any of us. I, okay. Specifically, I mean, no, I wanted to, so, to, to bring this all the way back to, like, Artemis O'Hara. Or <laughs> nice, O'Hara? right. Okay, yeah, right. No, that's, that's good. Okay, that's yeah, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now yeah. this has to start. Right. Um, full circle, full circle. The, I want to come back to that, that... Just that, that really short description, which really felt so tremendous to me for a number of reasons. Artemis is about the fans of an Ottawa singer-songwriter who soars to fame, not unlike Alanis Morissette and Sarah McLaughlin. Right. Um, so I read this at a really timely moment because I have been thinking about fame, mm. and specifically mm. fame in Ottawa uh, for a number of reasons. One is that Nicole Cliff, uh, who is also Canadian but now also American living in Utah, um, absolutely wonderful woman who I admire deeply who like was the co-founder of The Toast which was a wonderful oh, yes. feminist humor site mm. uh, for a few years um, she uh, profiled Alanis Morissette for a magazine that I can't remember the name of now but she did it was this beautiful very candid uh, profile <clears throat> uh, that was a, about um, pregnancy and raising children and okay. and also about uh, like various things in, in Alanis Morissette's life and stuff um, and there was a way that she talked about Alanis Morissette's childhood, like being a child star in mm, Canada. Right, yeah. And she, she's, she had this line about how she really needed to get out of Canada 
because mm. she was like you know uh, typecast in, in this role or whatever. Right, right. And if she was, and the implication being that like you know if she was to soar to stardom, she had to leave mm. you know provincial rural rural yeah. tiny Canada or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you know, I, but like, and I, I say this genuinely with no rancor. I'm actually really just fascinated by it, yeah. um, and I'm fascinated by it for a few reasons. One is that I'm I'm kind of very aware of a narrative about Ottawa specifically mm. as a place that people, you know, run away from or leave. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and and it always makes me sad because I deeply love Ottawa. Mm. And my, my desire for success in my career is not to leave Ottawa, but to kind of reinscribe Ottawa as yeah. the place that I am from and yeah, live in, you know? Absolutely. Um, Birthplace of my, Amal. Yeah. <laughs> or lived here yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and just like, because it, it is very important to me and I yeah, love yeah. it very much. Um, and I feel like it has, uh, you know, formed me in, in different ways mm, than yeah. uh, a lot of other places have. But, <clears throat> but so like, but I do think that there, but I've been thinking about fame for a few reasons. Um, one is just the weird variability of people thinking you're famous mm-hmm. and you absolutely feeling like you're not. Yeah. And both of you being right in different situations. So, like, I mean, so uh, casual users of Twitter yeah. who are my friends in, like, in Ottawa might see me on Twitter and go, oh my god, I'm hell, you've got like 21,000 followers, like, you're you're famous, and I'm like, well, on Twitter that's not actually very <laughs> much, and also, it's, not, I mean, no, what, what does that even mean, you know, right. yeah. and, um, and then, there's, so there's that, and there's, at the same time, this, the fact that the book is doing so well right now, and you know may continue to do so um, means that people I know across the country are taking photos of the book in their like respective places and sometimes and are telling me that oh my god I was just walking down the street and I just saw someone like a stranger a person reading your book Mm -hmm. and it was amazing you know and and then yesterday I was walking into Perfect Books and a man who had stepped out like a few seconds before said oh I just bought your book and I was like (laughs) What is happening? Uh, and and I just kind of stared at him. And he was like, "Oh, I, I follow you on Twitter." Oh shit! And I was like, "Uh huh, hi." Yeah. He's like, "Oh yeah, my name is Gary." And I, he literally, my name is Gary, and I'm from Toronto. I was from here first, but now I live in Toronto. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, "This is so surreal. This is so oh my like God. my book is actually making fun of me now." Yeah. Um. But anyway, he was lovely, and we had like a, a lovely conversation there in front of Perfect Books and stuff. <clears throat> hi, Gary. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It was just this very strange moment of like I've never been recognized in public by a stranger mm. before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, I've, I've had moments of like, oh wait, your name? Do I follow you on Twitter? Like that—that's yeah. been a thing. Right. But it, but so, but it felt like a kind of weird category difference all of a sudden um, to be recognizable. And and I really want to talk to you about this, Alan, because you are a celebrity in like in terms of right. <laughs> This is the thing, right? It's always like someone will like I want to talk about this question of fame because I felt like there was so much going on in that sentence of like this play that is about the fans of someone who was from this place and who has right. left this place. Right. And and to me there's like this rich seam of stuff that you could tap there in terms yeah. of like entitlement and resentment and uh, longing and you know all of those yeah. things which I don't know if they're in your play but they well, yeah. you know, what, you know what, what's interesting is because you, you mentioned social media before and that that is the biggest difference between when our Sohara was written to what a pop star of today would right. be going through mm-hmm. like there is no expectation that the singer is going to write on like you back on right. Twitter. There's yeah, no yeah. idea that there's there's this immediate expect entitlement to a connection, Access. yeah, to to a, to a connection with with somebody, or at least there is a heightened version. So what you have in the play, again, this has been a long time since I thought about this, but <laughs> but was that all these fans are talking all the time about her as mm-hmm. this. Yeah. So you have these chat rooms where 
you know, the, these people are, are, I heard she did this, I heard, did you see her appearance on this, did you see it? And they're dissecting, and oh, what do you think this lyric, like they're ripping apart this person sort of all the time, and then you see her own, she actually does come back to Ottawa to do this concert, and this one fan makes it his mission to meet her with mm-hmm. consequences. Yeah. As those spoiler <laughs> I don't want to ruin this for all the people that are going to see the play. Uh, but, I wonder uh, Yeah, we need a revival okay, of this yeah, thing. Yeah. Jesus. Oh, God knows when you guys... Oh my God, you should mount it again. Yeah, we should mount it You should totally mount it again as a consequence of this podcast. Yes. We'll start a campaign to our eight listeners. Brought to you by broadcast from the Wasteland. A new theater series that's going to be there. But it would be very interesting to see. But that idea, I think fame is... Every era, I'm sure, has had this as well. But the... The link to fame being, and I really know this person, mm-hmm. I think is stronger than it ever has been. Because I think if you think back to like Teen Beat and those magazines, like from the seventies, that was already an idea. Or well, way back, I mean, thirties Hollywood star system, right? Like you yeah. had like manufactured personalities and ideas that the studios put out, and this is who this person, and these are the romances they're involved with, and and so fans would pick up the fan pages and follow that person mm. to through to you know things were a little bit more candid, a little bit more candid. Jesse Reyes did something online where she on Twitter where she said, "Hey, for the next hour, text me," and gave out her phone number, oh, and fans were you know texting her back and forth and I I, I thought it's a brilliant idea because I'm sure it's not like her personal no, number that she's right. going to use beyond this one moment yeah. but that idea that you would like it's not enough even just to DM somebody yeah. or to text I'm going I'm going to text this person's phone that she's just going to have on her person and we're going to actually have this conversation back mm-hmm. and forth like in that play people were so thrilled to be in the in the much music environment in front of yep. her, right? Like, that, that that idea that that was as close as you mm-hmm. were going to get. And this guy pushes the line by going to her hotel room in the play. Like, that's where he's determined yeah, yeah, to yeah. actually meet her. The, the... Now, there's almost that expectation all the time, right? Yeah. Like, I'm sure 90% of the time it's very respectful. It's very, like, people are just... just are interested in what you have to say and they mm-hmm. want to know what, what it is but Gary in Toronto yeah. is like just he wants to know what Elmo Tar is going to eat for breakfast like right, so right. he follows you or, or what you have to say about mm-hmm. literature so like there is that interest and exchange of ideas which I think is kind of fantastic and so the literature not so much the breakfast but, the, <laughs> but, but the, the, that I talk about what I had for breakfast all the time I, I know it's very like Citizen does a uh, brunch on Sunday and I like it's always beautiful and I'm always putting it on Instagram because it's gorgeous so yeah yeah but and there are a lot of people like there's there's a shopping cart thing right like they may not be interested in what you had for breakfast or maybe they are but they do want to know it like they can choose what they want yeah. to take of yeah. you based on on that medium mm-hmm. but that idea of oh I know her yeah. I just think is, is stronger in a different way yeah. than like if you think back to the thirties, the idea that oh, we know so much about them, but they are yeah. removed from us. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't, I yeah. don't know if running into a star on the street has all of the same um, cachet as it once did. Because if you think you kind of already are pals yeah. with the person, yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah. just like just. Can I, like, does anyone recognize you? Do, do you often get recognized? It's usually, like, at the most, you know, like, when I'm buying underwear. I listened to that did actually happen. Oh, I God. remember, like, he was literally putting the underwear across the table. And I was like, <laughs> I recognize your voice. So, oh, my fantastic. God. Uh, but, and you, but usually, like, it does, even, even in an era where, you know, pictures are up online, everyone can look up what you look like. It's usually only when... I talk yeah. right. that somebody says are you uh, and I mean it just happened at the airport the other day where somebody just said came back to me at, like I, I'd asked there was a line t- to get through US Customs right after that now there's the Tim Hortons and the lineup was just people just went into the Tim Hortons line. Yeah. like there weren't even like you didn't no one went around it so I thought <laughs> do we all have to go to Tim Hortons like, do we all have to go? and I asked the woman in front of me and then she said no no, no this is just to get a coffee and so I, I went downstairs and she fall, like later she came up to me and said excuse me I'm, I'm sorry but your voice sounds so familiar are you Alan Neal 
and like very nothing bad about it but it is at the same time somebody else tweeted i'm on my way to new york and at yeah. Alan Neal Ottawa and so and so are also at this airport at this yeah. time. Again, nothing bad, yeah. but no, but I could see why, you know, those things could get if if I was an actual celebrity and people were like <laughs> yeah. doing this all the time, it would get yeah. a bit. And I think once you you know you have families and kids, I think that makes a difference too. Right? Like, yeah. like if suddenly that becomes a a focus point, like so definitely not part of anything they'd asked for. Yes. But I think also there's a difference between fame and fame that's attached to a product. Like your mm. your uh, art that you're doing. When you when people are sending photos of your art having gone out there, yeah. I think that's that is somebody taking an interest in your work or your ideas or something like that fame on the level of like reality TV where it's somebody who is finds somebody so fascinating based on the moments they saw them on The Bachelorette mm-hmm. or whatever like it's that's a I, I find it equally fascinating what people are linking to like what it yeah. is about the, aside from the obvious oh my god that person's so hot like I don't mean right. that's that's never going to change but but the idea that also really feeling a connection to somebody mm-hmm. based on very little like the the yeah i mean this dates me as well but like the paris hilton idea of fame right yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. i mean the, uh, for being rich but and for sort of the persona that's being that's tied to it but like uh, influencers are kind of that taken to an extreme aren't they yeah like basically yeah. their 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 reason for being famous is that they have a huge social media presence and but, you, i mean you do kind of want like what is it that create that gives these people right. that draw that people yeah, right. will tune into their Twitter or their Instagram or whatever to yeah. see like what are they buying where are they going and, and yeah. you're yeah it's basically there, there, there isn't another product they don't make movies mm-hmm. they're not on TV shows they're just famous for being on the internet telling you how their life is going right and somehow and it, that it became a, a, a thing right? and that's like a whole the, thing we, yeah, yeah like you didn't we, have to be a musician or a film star but, and it was it was funny because when we did this for Canada Day did this show called It Came From Canada where I asked the musicians who were performing on Canada Day to choose a moment from Canadian pop culture that mattered to them. Yeah. And T. Thomas, and one of his was this 2006 Much Music VJ search. And I, I, I thought, oh, this would be great. And, you know, surprised him by getting the guy who wanted on the phone and everything. <laughs> and all this. It was great. But it occurred to me, I'm like, why did we care who the next VJ was going to be? <laughs> <laughs> like, like why, did, why was it a thing that it mattered who that person was, whose job was to say, like, and next up, here's uh, you know the latest from TLC. Like yeah, what, yeah. what was, and then he, and T. Thompson was quite quite brilliant in what he's like he said. You know, at, at that point, you're looking to that person to curate your choices for you. Yeah, you're yeah, looking exactly. to that person yeah. to be so it mattered who was going to be. Yeah. In our minds, we thought that person actually picked all the videos, <laughs> so we were thinking we needed the right person yeah. in that job to be doing it. But it just was an, an early example of something where, like, you felt this connection and yeah. uh, and investment in who that person was yeah. was going to be. Which I don't know what why yeah, yeah, yeah. that was. But yeah. I think like the the influencers today and like people who are like YouTube stars and Twitch stars, or whatever. I think that's more popular because it's. The perception is that it's easier to attain. Not everybody can write a book like this is how you lose the time. Like, like it requires a certain amount of skill and talent to pull off. He's holding up the book right now, by the way. Yeah, it's, just, it's just for very the book he's book. going to read. Yeah. <laughs> Every time you bring that up, it makes it difficult, more and more difficult for me to cut that part out of the No, but, but not, everybody, not everybody can make you know an Oscar winning picture. Not everybody can, can paint a beautiful piece of art. And, I'm, and this is not to disparage anybody who's a, you know, a YouTube star, because there's a certain amount of skill and talent that goes into that as well. Sure. But I think the perception is that it, it's easier to do, because it, they seem like just everyday people who, mm-hmm. you know, like, I'm going to... That's what I think. I think You're pers- dealing with the angry comments we're about to get. No, I don't well, no, 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 no. I, think, I, I actually <laughs> think the only difference is, like, there are also 4,000 people who've written books mm-hmm. oh, fair that enough. are not yeah. very good. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Or that have not been recognized. And, right, like, or, or, or that, can that, never break into a certain similarly, screen. like, on YouTube, there's no shortage of people who are trying yeah, yeah, yeah. to right. get you to watch on you know, podcasting or... or yeah, for sure, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. There's just... They don't necessarily have the traction or yeah. the, the gift, as you said. Like, there is, yeah. a, there is a... I think the gift of charisma for those mm-hmm. things yeah. is a lot harder to... 
cultivate. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. I think, I yeah, think yeah. there's something about that that is, um, like, I don't know how many schools there are. Like, to, to learn how to write well, mm-hmm. you have to have a gift, there's no question. And then, hopefully, there's, you know, a, a teachers and instructors that allow that to blossom and, right. and cultivate it well, like some of your good teachers and not that horrible <laughs> teacher that you talked about. That. But, but the being the YouTube star, yeah. I don't know how you cultivate that if you yeah. don't already have that gift. I'm sure right. you, I'm sure there's a lot of watching of the yeah. the things to know. do it and then I think there's something that's just missing from from the conversation which is that a, a large part of celebrity is competition with other people. Mm-hmm. Like I mean like sure. the sense of like why is it desirable for for, for a celebrity to notice you or for you to have an interaction with a celebrity. It's because right. it is difficult to do that because there are many, 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 many other people right, who okay. want to have access to that person. Like, there's literally a scarcity aspect, right? Like, there's a right. supply and demand aspect, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So a large part of the success of anyone on YouTube and stuff... I mean, I, for instance, uh, am, I follow Nikki Tutorials, who she is a really, really good makeup artist. Okay. Um, there are many, many, many really good makeup artists. It's not like I mean, there's always the the kind of uh, cocktail of um, skill and charisma and timing and stuff that goes mm. into gaining an audience in the first place. But once you have gained an audience, there is uh, if you if if you feel a connection to the person who mm. you, who who is you know purveying their art or what have you, there is a variable that is how difficult is it to um, develop a connection with this mm. person, you know, right. like, and that that makes that more desirable. That the fact that you are right, competing okay. with however other many people. I think about. Um, <clears throat> I, I do this all the time. I like we're having a totally normal conversation about normal things, and I'm like, now let me tell you about Walter Benjamin. <laughs> uh, so like Walter Benjamin, uh, who if you don't know, <laughs> um, was a. Uh, um, Jewish Marxist uh, philosopher living uh, and writing in Germany in the 1920s and 30s mostly uh, and who I mourn actually very constantly because I, uh, I I wish that he was around to like talk about Facebook um, but <laughs> nice. he uh, he um, he committed suicide to escape the Nazis and stuff and mm-hmm. it was a horrible horrible situation anyways he's brilliant and he he has an essay called the work of art in the age of mechanical reproduction. And it's a long essay and it's, it's very beautiful. The thing I love about him uh, in particular is that he's a philosopher who reads like poetry. Like I just, he has, he has a, a, one of his works is called the uh, theses on the philosophy of history. And they're all these like almost aphoristic paragraphs that are just observations about things. And they're just deeply, deeply beautiful. Um, If anything that is named the angel of history is probably actually riffing on him writing a paragraph about uh, Paul Klee's Angelus Novus painting, which mm. he, and he mm. like envisions that as an angel of history. Anyway, it's a whole okay. thing. Um, but the reason I bring him up is because in the work of art in the age of mechanical reproduction, he makes an argument about uh, acceleration in the reproduction of art enacting a change in the category of art. Mm. So he talks about how he, he envisions this concept that he calls aura. Mm. He says that the only thing that you cannot reproduce about a work of art is its origin and place and time. So you cannot mm. reproduce originality. And that right. originality, he right. ties to this concept of aura. Right? Oh, okay. um, so, so the more people have access to an original of something... Uh, the more that aura is diminished on mm. some level, mm. as everyone you know gets to uh, touch it. And he, he's making this argument in the context of like religious statues and temples, mm. like the, with the sacred and the idea that if the sacred was kept bracketed off, mm. its aura was tremendous because you couldn't actually right. access it or touch it or interact with it in any way. You could only get so close to it in an unmediated experience and stuff. Right, okay, <clears throat> but then. In an age of mechanical reproduction, as you can, like, reproduce the secret sacred statue and yeah. stuff, and it proliferates everywhere. Um, and he's, he then, like, shifts from there to talking about film and photography yeah. and, and what a change that's enacting in the world and in our consciousness. Um, 
then then that that relationship to aura is different. Um, and here, this is the point where I always forget whether I'm telling you his argument or arguing against it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, basically, th- there's a thing though. Where also, there's a the fact that this is where I always. I talk about this so much because because though we live in an age of uh, the, the, what, what happens to the work of art in the age of digital reproduction, yeah. yes. right? Is a thing that I'm always thinking about. There's literally an essay called that from the '90s to bring ah, it back to what you're talking about, okay. like '90s digital humanities stuff. Um, which is not about most of the things I want to talk about, but it does exist. Uh, but to me, the, the, the fascinating thing is that we exist in this moment right now where the the sort of celebrity that was ascribed to works of art is, I think, getting reinscribed in the figure of the artist. Because if you are creating things digitally, and if your celebrity is tied to a digital presence, mm-hmm. there is no more original. Like There are right. so many artists who mm-hmm. are creating their work digitally. So if you're creating if you're creating a work of visual art on a syntech, you know, yeah. or something like that, where is the original? There is oh, no original, interesting. Right? Okay, yeah. right? So the fact is, so you, you you don't have originals anymore. You know, you have if you, someone circulates, you know, the the sketches or the files or whatever, it doesn't have that singularity in place and time. Yeah. What you have instead is something like a live stream where you can right. watch the work of art being yeah, created. Right. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. at that point, the fact that you have access to the person creating the art or that you're witnessing this moment of creation ends up taking the place of like contact with the thing itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like this is the thing well, that ties nicely like, into your Ken Liu story, right? Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so this is why I say I'm keeping it up because I think about this constantly. I think mm-hmm. about it constantly, specifically because of a lot of the economic models we have right now mm-hmm. with art as well, with Patreon and stuff yeah. like that. Like even just the name of it, you yeah. know, like the idea that we we want a model of patronage again, mm-hmm. um, because uh, on some, I mean, there are lots of reasons, but the the fact that. Um, a lot of Patreons are about negotiating access to a person, mm-hmm. not to the work of art. Yep. You know, um, you you are like for for a lot of web comics, the the mm-hmm. value prop in the Patreon is early access. You know, right. read tomorrow's strip today. Mm-hmm. Um, for a lot of writers, you've got like. Uh, I will send you a handmade thing, you know. Yeah. I will give you a handwritten postcard and yeah. stuff like that. An original object inscribed yeah. with your aura, right? Yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. there's a, a sense in which the um, that there, like everyone is kind of playing in this field right now, where there is like a, a politics of attention and an mm-hmm. economy of attention that uh, and an economy of access as a consequence yeah. that often makes me really uncomfortable because. I want to know what the hell I'm selling. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. I want to know what people think they are purchasing when they are purchasing. My, like, I mean, yeah, someone yeah. purchases this very beautiful book, which listeners I am holding and yeah. running, <laughs> running my hands over because the hardcover has a beautiful embossed quality to these, like, birds. Anyway, it's, it's, very, nice. it's very beautiful. Um, anyway, if you're buying this object, you're buying this object. Yeah. You're not buying access to me. You're not right. buying you know, an entitlement to my time. You're not, you know, and yet we exist in this like environment where if you do buy this object and you take a photograph of it and yeah. you tag me on Twitter, yep. it's kind of shitty if I don't answer you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like there's oh, yeah. suddenly a, a sort of ingratitude that right. sets in, even yeah. though on some level, why, why should there be gratitude? Yeah. I wrote something. <laughs> you paid you for, paid for yeah. the thing. Yeah. If you don't like it, that's fine. If yeah. you do like it, hooray. But yeah, why should I feel grateful? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do, but why yeah, should yeah. I? Do you yeah, know what I'm I mean? Already, like, you're already getting the money. Right? You're, like, you're, like, <laughs> a, a transaction has occurred. Yeah. And yet, like, there's a thing. So so this is where I become, like, un- uncertain and uncomfortable. And it's not because, you know, like, I had a lovely interaction with Gary. Mm. It was great. Yeah. I, I really don't want him to actually listen to this podcast. <laughs> so we shouldn't um, follow him on Twitter, uh, say. All this to say, uh, there is... Um, there is a kind of constant negotiation around access yeah. Yeah. in celebrity. Absolutely. That I, like, on the one level, I, like, I'm, I'm trying to think about the variables and the parameters for myself to try and, like, arrive at some grand unified theory of celebrity, I guess. But just to understand and put in a context for myself right. the different experiences that I'm having now. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm also reminded of, um, Scott Lynch told me once, 
that no, he didn't tell this to me. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's that no, Elizabeth Bear told me that he said this. He didn't say it directly to me, so it was already reported. Okay. Anyway, starting over. <laughs> Scott Lynch once said that um, that he he thought he he had this this kind of just general assumption that with his success that he would become he would achieve a certain level of fame that was comfortable for him and then he would stop oh. you know that, that that he had some control over it right but right. he doesn't no, right. none of us really do God, right yeah. and that's the thing that's interesting to me on some level it's like when it's like when a tweet goes viral right yeah. on some level we all sort of want our tweets to go viral mm. you know a good sure. tweet a good joke you yeah. want it to kind of make the rounds but there is a a, a progress of virality <laughs> that involves assholes turning up and yep, involves yep. like people you know telling your joke to you over yep. and over and diminishing echoes and or like or or just being jerks just being mean just all sorts of stuff that you don't want but that you don't have control over once it escapes you to a certain degree right, right. um and that 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 shifting context that we don't have control over largely because of the way we have built social media really troubles me mm-hmm. and uh, and I, I just like I right now I'm really enjoying these moments of like you know someone pleasantly recognizing me and stuff like that. Mm. But I've always also had this undercurrent of um, because of you know previous badnesses and stuff of like my my email is not very publicly available. Mm. I don't have it on my website and stuff because I don't want white supremacists writing me right. right? And I um, so there was a uh, this was years ago, but like when <clears throat> when we were. Uh, kicking Vox Day out of uh, Sifwa, Theodore Beale, um, that asshole. Anyway, mm-hmm. I was sort of spearheading a letter writing campaign about that, mm-hmm. and as a consequence, was very aware of the fact that there are all these white supremacists, like mm-hmm. not on my heavily moderated website, yeah. not in my invisible inbox, yeah. but on their own shitty, terrible websites saying horrible things and you know threatening horrible things and being terrible yeah and i was very aware of the fact that you know the the male you know is suddenly threatening like Mm, in that like what if someone mails me a dead kitten what if someone like you know all sorts of stuff like that and i like that was well before i had any sense of success that could lead to fame it Mm. was just like me in my very small community of science fiction fantasy writers on the internet trying to you know improve that community for everyone all of this has come out of the fact that i just uh i feel great grateful i want Mm. to be gracious Mm. i also want to be cautious yeah i also want to just kind of like think my way through these feelings uh with reference to people who are also, yeah. like, have experienced stuff. But like I think this. also, yeah. like, you could be a person with 15 followers on Twitter mm-hmm. and have two of them be people that you didn't really want following you. Yeah. Or you could yeah, have, yeah. you yeah. could, any, any, anything that's tied to what you do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you can do anything in, in the world. Somebody will find out about it and they will find a way of getting to you to tell you what's yeah. wrong with what you've done. Mm-hmm. Like, it it doesn't need to be some sort of pop culture zeitgeist right. moment or, or or really fame for that to, to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, in any world, there are lanes that people yeah. pay absolutely no attention to. I This is why I think it's, f- like, anybody who thinks of me as a celebrity, like, I guarantee... 85% of Ottawa has no idea who I am, right? Really? Like it's, really? I, oh, yeah. I, I almost guarantee. percent of Ottawa? Well, yeah, I think, like... I thought you were going to say something like, like an Edmonton people. No. Yeah, <laughs> like, I know. No, I, just, I, I don't think, like, I mean... You're like I, the voice I, I, of can, Ottawa. I mean, it's, it is... It is the... I'm not taking away from it. It is the top-rated afternoon show in Ottawa. Yes, yeah. absolutely. What that means in terms of the grander population right. of Ottawa. Mm. How many people are listening to radios? How many people are listening to CBC when they're listening to the radio? Right, how okay. many people are listening? Like, if you walked into... Uh, if you asked your students, who's well, Alan Neal? Yeah, okay, that's fair. I don't know. The, yeah. it's, it's, and I say this with no... No, no, totally. no disrespect, but I'm just saying, like, I, I, I feel like any level of fame, there's always going to be 
more people out there who don't know you uh, than okay. do. Yeah. Like I think I think True. if you're Beyonce, maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, there's still a whole world out there who yeah. Don't really know what she does. It's true. Like as as weird yeah. as that's yeah no, yeah they might know the they, name like right. like they don't if you ask somebody to name me ten Beyonce songs, I hope everyone would name them. Yeah, but yeah. like I'm not sure that everyone would right yeah. like like so I I think again there there is a level of the difference between there's being recognized and there's a whole bunch of people who will never recognize you. And there's a whole then of knowing one thing you did mm-hmm. that they're gonna like or dislike, regardless right, of how yeah, famous yeah. you are. Like yeah. this is this idea that we don't like to publicize or remember the names of people who perpetrated terrible things because you don't want those people to be famous. Yeah. But in actual fact, like I guarantee people forget those names and the names of victims. Yeah. Yeah. Quickly, right? Like it's not it's because if you're just not in yeah, the eye all the time. Those we those things fade. For the same as I was saying, pop culture references. I made. Yeah. I wrote <laughs> in a play twenty years ago. There are some where I was like, "Oh, who was that? What was yeah. that about? What was that yeah. show?" Like it's things fade from from view. So yeah, as if clean. anybody who has too big a problem with being famous, I, I like a. It may not last. Like there's there's mm-hmm. always yeah. the, that wave that you're gonna ride. But B, like I, I think what's very interesting about I'm gonna blank as to who you see. You just told me and already I forgot. But like the the, the individual who said like I thought I would get famous Scott then, Lynch Scott yeah. Lynch that I thought I would get famous and then be in control of it. In a way, it's kind of like time travel. You never are out of the system, right? right. Like you are then mm. the one hit wonder or you're right. you you never control somebody's ability to Google and say, whatever happened to Yeah. yeah. Like that's yeah. always and and much like you said earlier about editing and making choices of what yeah. history lasts and doesn't, it's what story continues yeah. to to yeah. be told. I used to always say that your life could be like, and that this dates me completely, but there used to be when A&E was a channel that actually was about A&E, <laughs> uh, there was this biography show that they would do, oh do all the time. God. And it always fascinated me watching those biographies because there would be periods of time where they would say like, Brandon had of course the greatest success with blah, 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 blah. And then seven years later, uh, this happened that would change his life, and I was, and I would always be like, "My God, those seven yeah. years in between! Not you don't notable. know yeah. when you're living the seven years yeah, that you are yeah. only going to be a millisecond in A and E's biography of you is going to be that little blip, and then yeah. you're on yeah. to the next next thing. Or like in a comic book, the parts that are in between the panels, yeah. like you yeah. you don't know all those things that were may have been important. It, been chosen yeah. and edited, yeah, yeah, yeah. either by you or by somebody yeah. else as to what's remembered. So I mean, people's lives are not organized along three act, third act twists, no. yeah, right? That's, that's and yeah, and yeah. yeah, biographies yeah. kind of have to manufacture that yeah. and stuff yeah. like that yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. I realize this too because I like reading biographies for um, like romantic poets, uh, dissertation wise. It's always fascinating to me whether I'm whether I'm reading them or watching them how they always end up being organized around the creation of the art like the the capital yeah, yeah. the important art or whatever the one that has persisted in popular imagination is the one that retroactively you know you were destined to write all along uh, you know right. kind of yeah, yeah. <clears throat> with Coleridge it's always like his nightmare poetry so like the rhyme of the ancient mariner and yeah. Kubla Khan yeah. uh, are the ones that like god there's a there's a film that I love. I love it so much. It's not at all historically accurate by any stretch of the imagination. Frozen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Frozen. Oh, I love Frozen so much. Uh, no, this this is a film called Pandemonium, um, which oh, is uh, yes. about. It's a film from 2000, uh, in which it's about Coleridge and Wordsworth and yeah, their friends, their friendship, their partnership, and stuff. John Hanna plays Wordsworth oh, okay. oh, delightfully. Okay. Uh, I've forgotten who plays Coleridge. Um, I think we were actually like, you know, coming to make a beautiful full circle closing thing what Alan was talking about, and I totally yoinked it away. That's oh, totally um, no, that's totally fine. But uh, but but yeah, who lives, who dies, who tells your story? Ah, uh, love it, love it. Can I just because we're talking about about fame, just as like a, a closing thing? I have a, yeah. Like, is there a celebrity who you would like? love to meet and be like just you know to, yeah. to actually have a connection with uh on some level like who and, and who you would be dazzled to meet i should say I oh, guess as well. okay 
Because I will freely own Alan. I was pretty dazzled to meet you the first time. Like what? Yeah. I mean, like was, the Honey like, Month interview. That was yeah. That was actually not the first time we met. But uh, when did we, when first, did we meet? first meet? We first met. Um, if no, I think I might have first actually met you like as a fellow human uh, in like because we both know Margot McDonald, right. and so I think at oh, some okay. point you were okay. probably meeting her or something, and I met oh, okay. you then. Right. Um, but uh, but no, I mean I've been listening to the show for years, and when I was going to university, like I get I, because. Um, I was commuting in with my parents. We were literally like leaving the house at six a.m. and then always coming back when the uh, show was yeah, over yeah, and yeah, stuff. Right, right. So we would like often listen to you together and stuff. And so like there's this That's whole cool. like, familiar, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yes. Like like in my family, like you right. know, you're probably only next to um, Stuart McLean. God rest his soul. But anyway, uh, like, oh, yeah. in right. like in well, terms of like in terms of like family yeah. listening yeah. togetherness and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, that's- um, Right. Well, no, I mean, and that's that's the thing. Like, and also there is a certain intimacy with radio too, right? Like, yeah. you're in you're in our car, like cars, yeah. bedrooms, etc., kitchens, etc. So, yeah. it's it is a different thing, I think, than television yeah. sometimes yeah. in that way, and also because there isn't the distraction of like, why is he wearing that? Like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. there's there's um, I think I mean, obviously, just like with anything else, it does mean everybody also feels the need to. Say, and the problem with that guy, like, ah! so, so you know, that's which, which oh, is fair, which people. is fair, which is fair. okay. Thanks, fight them. That's what I need. That's when you come back from the past. Yes, yes, yes. That's right. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, but I'd love to know your celebrities, like people oh, who you. Oh, um, Sir Patrick Stewart for me. Oh, Sir Patrick good. Stewart. Yeah. I saw him in a production of uh, Waiting for Godot with Ian with McKellen. McKellen. I heard yeah. that was amazing. It was amazing. It, it was so 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 great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like an old married couple on stage, yeah. and it was beautiful. There, there's no recorded version of that anywhere, is there? I don't know. There might be. I keep I keep, I keep meaning to look it up and then forget. Mm. That and and he did one of Macbeth, but it's it sounded like. The, the Second World War or something they totally like he's like a World War II surgeon huh. or something from oh, what I hear know. years ago hmm. Sir Patrick Stewart Sir Patrick Stewart yeah I've been trying to think furiously of a better answer <laughs> than I'm actually going to have that instinct go yeah. with your better <laughs> um, but the, the best one I've got and this is the most honest one even though I don't think a meeting with this person would go well is, is William Gibson just because oh. uh, I've admired William Gibson's writing mm. for now a very long time oh. uh, increasingly having followed Gibson on Twitter I think he would find me extremely boring <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, really? Yeah, dude. Yeah, no. I mean, cause, I mean, he's uh, he's kind of like a mall in the what? sense that. Yeah, I mean, I don't find you boring. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, I don't mean in the sense that you find me boring. I mean. In the sense that- Guess what? The lights have changed to indigo. I'm sure there's a code book in here somewhere that explains that, unless Evan took it with him. Anyway, thanks again to Amal and Alan for joining us, to fellow survivor Chris Kesner for providing our intro and outro music, and of course to all of you for tuning in. Stay safe, and if anyone can help me figure out how to open the control room door, that would be great. In the meantime, we'll see you again for our next broadcast from the Wasteland. Auxiliary oxygen control. Well, that sounds fun.